My name is Shona Thompson and I made the film Launch on the Sea with Scotland's Lifeboats. Launch on the Sea with Scotland's Lifeboats is a film that I researched, edited and directed um, and co-produced as well. It's a 44-minute film that grew out of a relationship I had with the RNLI's archives. And it was a way to celebrate the RNLI. It was a great way to go digging. And I love going digging in archives, in film archives particularly. And so um, I went to Eleanor Driscoll at the RNLI archives down in Poole and said, look, there's funding available. I'd like to make this film. I'd like to make it live. I'd like to have the archive footage, but have a score, a soundtrack that is actually performed live with the footage and I want to screen it in the lifeboat stations and in the lifeboat communities around Scotland, particularly. And I wanted it to be a celebration of what I'd seen in a film that I'd watched back in 2017, which was part of the archive. My interest in the RNLI started probably way back in 2017 when I was screening films in communities around Scotland and I would show archive films that were made in those communities, actually in those communities, whether that be in a cinema, whether that be in Village Hall. And so I was screening films that were relating to the sea, so I was doing it in coastal communities. And I found this film from 1964 called The Ben Barvis. It was made for the RNLI by William J. Guild. And it's about a reconstruction of a rescue in uh, the Pentland Skerries. And it was actually the Long Hope crew that are based in Orkney that were doing the reconstruction for Guild. I watched that. It was 1964. We had it on a, a programme that I put together. We screened it in Tobermory on the island of Mull. And I had the brilliant Dr. Sam Jones, who is the lifeboat operations manager in the Tobermory RNLI station. And she actually shared with us the fact that five years later, after that film was filmed, so in 1969, there was the awful uh, Long Hope disaster where all eight of the crew were lost actually in the Pentland Firth. And just to see that film then really hit us all hard, actually, in the cinema, that we were watching these almost ghosts on screen of incredibly brave men. Yes, they were reconstructing it on screen, but we know that they were actually out there and what the community had lost, of course, and in Tobermory, that's not lost in anybody as well, of course, being a coastal community. One of the other films that I watched was from 1929. And this is actually the earliest film that I used in the, in the film. Um, it's of St Andrews, which no longer has a lifeboat. Um, but the, the shed for the boat is obviously a wee bit away from the water. So every time the boat had to come out, it, took a, it looks like about 50 men, 25 on either side, to pull the boat out with ropes um, and, and, and drag it basically down to the water's edge. And of course, you know, you're in a rush and, and so you need everybody there. And so that is, it really does take a community to launch a lifeboat. That's what it really meant to me when I watched that. And that's what opens the whole film. It was really interesting to see how the RNLI service has changed through the eyes of the archive. The earlier films, as you might imagine, had a lot of, well, all men, um, which is how the crews were made up in those days. But as I looked through, 
I could see on the helmet cameras, there was a few more women on screen there. And also working with Jack Lowe's brilliant lifeboat station project really brought home to me the people that actually work in the RNLI now. Women in the 1950s in the films were generally standing there pressing the button for the champagne ball to smash against the new boat, that women actually have a much stronger role now in the RNLI. And I really wanted to put that across in the film as well. The soundtrack was a very core part of the film when I was developing it. I knew that I wanted to work with Jason Singh, the sound artist and, and composer, and just all round emotionally adept soul. <laughs> He's somebody who will feel what he performs. He, he uses his voice, he uses his body almost to, to create soundtracks. And so, when I watch the footage, you feel that you're there. And I knew that a big part of my work is about the big screen. And about putting a film on a big screen means that you get a, a big screen experience. And we know what that is. When you are immersed in a story, you're immersed in the images. And so I was keen to do that. And it was going to be a live score. So um, I would be making the films and editing the films together. and. Uh, and then Jason, and he brought together a, a fantastic group of musicians, Arun Ghosh, Indo-Jazz clarinetist, John Ellis, who's a pianist, and also Jenny Sturgeon, who's one of Scotland's leading folk musicians. They all came together, and we had a great session when I'd sort of pieced together the films um, in that kind of emotional way for me, as in I could feel the movement of the bow, I could, feel the urgency of the call out. And then we sat in John's studio, the five of us, and projected the film onto a sheet, a bed sheet in his studio. Um, and the four, the four of them just went with it. They just started performing, they started playing. They were, I guess, improvising, but there was a, there was a definite intertwining of, of um, musical souls. It became this, this quite immersive experience. That's what we wanted for the audience, particularly if they were standing or sitting in a, in a lifeboat station or um, sometimes outside we were hoping for as well, to do it outside with, um, with the musicians performing. January 2020, we were lucky enough to, to do an edit and do a performance at Celtic Connections in Glasgow, the prestigious um, folk festival that, that happens in Glasgow. And then March 2020 happened, of course, and we all went into lockdown. Nobody could move, nobody could travel. So bringing musicians together to create a soundtrack was pretty much impossible. So we found this incredible producer, Dave McEwen. David's worked with Sting, with Nitin Sawney, an incredible roster of stars that he's worked with. He said, I can record this. Um, and we're like, okay, but we all live in different parts of the, the world. And he said, it'll work. And so whilst everyone was homeschooling, we managed to record, mix and produce a soundtrack, which is, is brilliant, quite frankly. I, I say that because I, I, I believe in the musicians and I can't believe what they came up with and what was put together. It sounds like they're all in the same room, but they're absolutely not. Oilskins, life jackets and sea boots are ready to hand. In a lifeboat call, Minutes saved may mean lives saved. 
we've actually released it on all major streaming platforms. So please do get over to your, wherever you find your music and you'll find Launch on the Sea with Scotland's Lifeboats. And it's, it is, it's an album in itself. That's what we all felt. So that is, is such a large part of the film. So by screening the film in lifeboat communities, I didn't want the film to patronise them. It's not about telling you how a lifeboat works, because probably most of the people that are sitting in that cinema will know. We wanted to show what the lifeboats meant to people and how people feel about them as well. And so being able to include footage actually of some of the people that were maybe sitting in the room was really important. And so we were able to invite folk that were actually on the big screen. And that was really um, special um, opportunities. For me, there's the film, the film is part of the screening, but the other half of it really is a blether afterwards, is that conversation afterwards. And much as I couldn't get out so much, uh, I got to a few places um, to talk afterwards. But for me, it's about having the crew there afterwards. Your local RNLI crew are there. But those stories that came out after the films, that's what really you know, brought the film alive almost. I mean, yeah, we had a 5.1 surround sound soundtrack and I would never do that down. But, but to be actually then afterwards hearing from the people that are out there in those weather conditions, um, you know, we, we didn't make it up. That is a real rib that is crashing against those waves. Since the lifeboat service was begun in 1824, on average, 12 lives have been saved every week through nearly a century and a half, over 83,000 lives altogether. When I first got access to the RNLI's archive portal, I was sitting with Jason Singh and we were sitting watching the films and we actually, one of the first films that we watched, we were like, that's the last shot of the entire film. We know this is it. Um, because it was a beautiful shot, I think from the 1950s, of the boat, one of the, the lifeboats, just sailing off into the sunset. And we wanted that to be the final shot because we wanted that to be the, the story that um, at the end of the film, the boat still goes out. It goes back out um, to whatever is happening and whatever the shout is, the boat will still go out. It doesn't end with people coming home, it ends with them going back out. Hello, it's Mark Pusey here. I'm crew at Chiswick on the Thames. If you want to hear more stories from the RNLI's 200 Voices collection, then head to rnli.org slash 200 voices, or subscribe to the RNLI wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. Two Hundred Voices is an adventurous audio limited production for the RNLI.